Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlets and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. Great to have you with us this afternoon. This is Marnie Spudberg and I'm excited to share this next hour with you and our guest Chris Carson from sunshineauthor.wordpress.com. Today we're going to be talking about living your purpose in life, the law of attraction from a Christian perspective. I love this topic and I'm excited to hear what Chris is going to share with us. You're going to want to grab some kind of a notepad right now because during the next hour you're going to discover the secret of the secret for Christians, four ways that science proves the existence of God, the truth about suffering, why saying I will never can be a big mistake, the one way you can be sure that your situation will get better, the top five misunderstood concepts of living the Christian life, the one thing you can't do without, the true meaning of contentment, how to handle fear, and four unexpected ways to get closer to God. Our guest today is Chris Carson. She's a writer, speaker, and artist from Arizona. Her goal is to help other Christians realize their purpose in life by using the law of attraction from a biblical perspective. Her website is sunshineauthor.wordpress.com. Welcome to you, Chris. Hi, thank you. It's great to be well, it's here. It's great to have you. Yeah, good to have you here. And I love, like I say, I love this topic. I've done a lot of lot of work and teaching on this, and it is just so important for us to comprehend how magnificently God has created the world. And um, there was a movie that came out a while back. It was a secular movie called The Secret, and it got a lot of buzz at the time. Um, But I'm excited to talk about this from a Christian perspective because a lot is kind of – the reality is that God actually made the secret or the law of attraction to work for everyone, whether you're a Christian or not. But the only time that it has eternal rewards is when you're letting God do it through us. So this is just so cool that we get to talk about this today. So let's go ahead and dive right in, Chris. Um, You wanted to start with the point that there is a secret behind the secret. And so go ahead and share with us what you were thinking about when when you wrote that. Well, actually, you'll probably laugh because it's, it's exactly, it, it's so um, common sense for a Christian. The secret of the secret for Christians is God. <laughs> because yeah. in, in the movie and in, in most secular teaching about the secret, they leave God out of the equation. But, you know, you can only get limited success in your endeavors when you don't acknowledge God's presence in your life, as you know. So, yeah, yeah. So I teach, a, I teach a training called the five levels of personal power, and the first four levels are accessible to anyone with or without God, but only the fifth level is accessible to Christians. So it is, the first level is me, just my existence. The second level is my existence plus an idea, my idea. The third level is my existence, my idea plus my action. The fourth level is my idea, or my, my presence, my idea, my 
action and then my passion. And that's kind of the, the fourth point is what the speaker was talking all about. It's the passion level. And that's actually available to everybody. But when you get to put level number five, you don't start with my anything. You start with God, mm-hmm. me, <laughs> my ideas, my yeah. action, my passion, like that. And, and it takes you a whole new level of this thing. So talk to us about the four ways that science proves that even there is a God. What are we, what are we looking at there? Well, first off, energy cannot be created or destroyed. And if you think about it, you know, God is energy, and he created everything. And this also ties into the concept that we will never be destroyed because we are created Mm -hmm. from energy. So that's the first way that science proves God's existence. That's one of the laws that scientists, you know, have proven in the laboratory and the second way is the complexity of DNA. A, uh, a scientist named E.H. Andrews once wrote that a code is the work of an intelligent mind. It's not possible for a code of any kind to arise by chance or accident. And DNA, you know, is a code. Um, another scientist named Bert Thompson said that um, they do not, codes do not arise from chaos. The more statistically improbable a thing is, the less we can believe that it just happened by blind chance. And finally, wow. Those are a, great. Yeah. Another, um, another scientist, Dr. Hugh Ross, took 123 separate factors and calculated the odds that all of these 123 factors, which had to be present for the Earth to exist as we know it, could have just happened on their own. And his results were that less than one chance in 10 to the 139th power exists that even one such planet like ours would occur anywhere in the universe by accident. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I love that. And I think, you know, it's when God's, I always say when God's strung together your 3 billion base pair of DNA, he did in a particular way. You are such an amazingly uh, complex creation yeah, the mm-hmm. thought of God not doing it, of it just being an accident, is really ludicrous. And I would say it takes a whole lot more faith to believe there isn't a God than to believe that there is one. <laughs> I know, I know. And atheist, atheism is a religion, whether they want to admit it, it or is. not. Right, right. Because yeah. it requires belief. It requires faith in something. That's, yeah, that's great. So what is another, oh, what's your number three proof of God then? Uh, koalas and dolphins. <laughs> Koalas possess specific microorganisms in their digestive systems that are absolutely vital to breaking down the elements in eucalyptus leaves that every other creature, eucalyptus leaves are toxic to every other creature. And these toxins are actually converted into vitamins in the koala's body. Um, Many naturalists Hmm. consider them to have the the most advanced digestive system on the planet. And Hmm. um, they're they have a very low protein intake, 5%. And that with the tannins and toxins in the eucalyptus leaves would kill all other animals. So, you know, it's, you can't point to evolution and go, oh, they evolved that way. How? How were they the only ones that evolved that way, you know? Right. So, and then dolphins. I love it. <laughs> if, if you think about... Um, what they say about evolution that we all supposedly crawled out of the slime and developed lungs and um, then started walking around on all fours. Well, a dolphin would have had to crawl out of the slime, develop lungs, then decide, Oh, I want to go back into the water. And then um, 
move the nose to the back of the head, whatever feet they had or tail would have to be exchanged for fins and flippers. It would have to develop a torpedo-shaped body for efficient swimming in the water. It would have to drink seawater and desalinize it. Its entire bone structure and metabolism would have to be rearranged, and it would have to develop a sophisticated sonar system to search for food. It's even assuming that that happened, where are the fossils? You know? So it's I love it's it. Pretty, I love it. Yeah, it's pre- pretty clear they were developed or created that way. That's awesome. And dolphins are one of my one of my favorite um, creations. I I use the analogy a lot of the air of prayer. How you know uh, we are as humans, we are earth dwellers, but we're prayer breathers. The example is a dolphin is a water dweller, but an air breather. The dolphin lives under the water, and then it goes up for air every few minutes you know, because it has to for life. We are earth dwellers, but we need to go up for prayer every few minutes because honestly, we have to for our spiritual life. So uh, I love them and I love it that they are one of God's examples of how he alone could have ever created the world. That's so cool. What's the number four four one? (laughs) It's the measurement of time. Because for many, many years, observatory astronomers observe the motion of the earth in relation to the heavens to accurately measure time and all the clocks in in this country anyway were set in relation to those measurements and uh, well of course as you know god made this master clock of the universe setting the heavens in motion and we learned how to use its accuracy but after 1967 scientists in 1967 had built an atomic clock that uses cesium-133 atoms because they they oscillate at the rate of man i think that's nine trillion one hundred ninety two billion or maybe it's million nine billion one hundred ninety two million six hundred thirty one thousand seven hundred seventy times per second which produces accuracy within one second every 30 million years and those (laughs) atoms Never vary a single vibration. And that cannot be accidental. There's no way that could be an accident. I love that. Obviously, time, too. You know, when I think of time, I think how cool it is that we can know for sure that God is outside of time and space, that he made time for us. Time is really a gift to mankind to limit. It's a limitation gift. Um, there, there's a limit of time that we will spend on this planet. It is not for eternity, which is, thank God, thank you, God, for that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but, uh, but, but he's been outside of it already because he took John there. If we think about in the book of Revelation, God actually took John out of, out of the world and he saw the end times. He just took him over, kind of like a helicopter would lift up and could now see more than just the block around it. Now it can see several blocks at a time. And the higher up that goes, the more you can see. And so that's how time is with God, I believe, is that is that he's already been there. He's already prepared the way for us. It's so comforting to know that while time can be uh, a big constraint for us and even cause us a lot of grief, it's not a problem for God. God is outside of time and space. Those are so so cool. How did you ever? How did you ever find these? Oh, I I'm I love doing internet research. So I read a lot of things on the internet, and and I just run around looking at things, and and um, that's how I found them was through different websites on the internet. I really I really like them. All four of them are really strong. 
And, um, you, you know, it just would be pretty hard to refute, actually. They're really great. If you guys uh, are just joining us now, the four proofs of God. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. Number two, the complexity of DNA. Number three, koalas and dolphins. You'll have to go back and listen if you missed that. Number four, measurement of time. We're going to take a quick little break and come right back and talk about the truth about suffering, why saying I will never can be a big mistake, and the one way that you can be sure that your situation will get better. We'll be right back. Find your next speaker at womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring nearly 1,000 Christian women speakers from every state, denomination, and fee range, some near you. It's all available to you 24 hours a day, so you can start your most enjoyable speaker search anytime you have time. Search by location, name, topic, or fee range. Connect directly with the speakers you like using their social media links or the online connection box. It's really that easy. Womenspeakers.com has been the number one online connection place since 2002. Speaker profiles include a bio, professional headshot photo, a list of topics with descriptions, some references from people who've heard them speak, and so much more. It's all fast, fun, and free to search anytime you have time, day or night. Check it out right now at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. You're joining us today for a topic of living your purpose in life, the law of attraction from a Christian's perspective with our guest, Chris Carson of sunshineauthor.wordpress.com. Okay, Chris, let's talk about suffering. It's kind of a tough topic to come right back into, but actually all of us have to deal with it. And a lot of people use the concept of suffering to um, make a point that there is no God. There could not be a God if there's suffering like this in the world. So talk to us about what you've learned about suffering. Well, the truth about suffering is that God never wanted any of us to suffer. He, we're his children, and you don't want your children to suffer. The reason we suffer is because we disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, and that's what caused all the suffering to enter the world. Because sin, while it may look attractive on the outside, all it ever leads to is pain. And that's, I mean, the weeds grew after the initial sin in the garden. There weren't weeds before that. And Mm -hmm. people often look at, like, why why does this child have to suffer with leukemia? Why did God do that to her? God didn't do it to her. We did it to her because of our disobedience. Sin entered into the world and death by sin. And innocent people, innocent animals, all innocent creatures suffer because of our choices. And even, even in a person's everyday life, we suffer injustices at the hands of other people. And you know, a car accident can happen and take someone's life. That's not because God wanted that to happen. It's because of that initial sin. And that's Mm -hmm. always the way it's going to be until the Lord returns. Yeah. What's coming to mind right now is a parent who gives their child a bicycle for Christmas. And it is a wonderful gift. And the child's out biking around and then drives right out in front of a car. Was that the parent's intent? Or was that what happened (laughs) when the child didn't do, you know, the right thing? And whose fault is it? Is it the fault of the parent for giving the bike to the child? You know, I mean, there's there's, there's a real conversation that can happen here. And when I pray, I pray that God will save me from 
Satan, from sin, and from myself. And the reason is because um, all evil originates with Satan. I mean, he is he is the source of lies and deception, as well as he was the source of sin. And so he's definitely a part of this. And then we have sin itself, which is anything that is in opposition to God. And then we have ourselves, and we actually have sin nature. So we actually have the ability to sabotage ourselves, to actually hurt ourselves, and to hurt our relationship with God and others. And we all have seen ourselves do that. So, you know, when I, when I pray, I'm always praying for the three of those and recognizing that, like you said, you know, disease, illness, famine, uh, all these things that happen, um, were they God, are they God sticking uh, illness and stuff on people or is it a result of sin? And it is a result of sin. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's great. Did you have anything else you wanted to exactly? I mean, this conversation, we could go on on this topic for the whole hour, but I know we have other stuff we want to cover too. Was there anything else here you wanted to just mention? Yes. Uh, one thing, other thing I did want to say about suffering is that it isn't always a bad thing. Ooh, how dare I? But, um, but, but you know what I mean? You can learn a lot through suffering from something. Like years ago, I used to get migraine headaches and how they would hit me is I couldn't see, you know, there'd be holes in my vision. And, and so hmm. when that happened, you, you can't read a book because you can't see. Um, it would also affect my hearing where everything would be that much louder. So I couldn't like listen to the radio because that would hurt. And all I could do is lie down. And during those times, I spent time with the Lord. I, I prayed and we had conversations together, you know. And that's the only reason that I miss those migraines. <laughs> I sure don't miss the pain. But, but it did, I feel it did bring me closer to God during those times. So. Yeah, and I know we're going to kind of touch on this in a few minutes, too. You know, but there is that verse, Romans eight twenty eight and 29, you know, that God uses all things, that he can work all things together for good to those who are called according to oh, his yes. purpose. And and it's true that when we yield anything to him, including extreme suffering, um, I like to use the analogy of a flower garden and how sometimes when you want to make it really produce, you bring a pile of manure in there and you, oh. you turn, turn that into the soil. And then, yeah. wow, those flowers just go nuts. You know, they love it. And they just really grow. And so when I've got suffering going on in my life or even my own sin sometimes, Chris, I will... I will just say thank you, God, because I know that you can take this manure and you can turn it into beautiful flower gardens. And we as Christians have this hope and this promise that he will and that he can. And it's it's so comforting uh, to know that suffering does not have to be the end-all, be-all of what it is. Yes, yes. So let's talk about why saying I will never can be a big mistake. That's kind of an interesting concept. I mean, we all hear never say, you know, you don't say never or always or that kind of thing. But why I will never? Because um, it's actually funny because I feel like God laughs at us sometimes when we say I will never because he's like, oh, yes, you will. (laughs) It's like uh, if you say I will never get fat, guess what? You're probably going to get fat, you know. Um, those kinds of negative promises always seem to come come to pass, you know, you in the opposite way that you intend. And one of the, the problems with making a negative promise like that is you, you really have to watch how you react to other people who have fallen into sin. Because if you say, oh, I would never do something like that, well, guess what? God might 
make you do something like that so that you'll understand it from that person's perspective. Um, another, and the way that this, the reason why this works that way, you know, the opposite to what you intend through the law of attraction is because your mind, when you make a negative promise, doesn't hear the never part. It hears, I will. So I will never get fat becomes I will get fat. And um, the, the opposite of that, you know, if you make it, oh, well, then I'll just say I will never get rich and then I'll get rich. Well, it doesn't work that way either because it's the, it's the energetic frequency that's behind those thoughts. So what you resist persists is a, a common comment that people use the law of attraction and it's true because when you're when you're saying oh i will never get fat you have a lot of resistance there it's like you're pushing really hard against a wall because you don't want that and if you say oh i'll never get rich you know so thinking oh yeah i hope i get rich because i said that um, that's very weak that energetic frequency and so you're not going to get it because there's weakness behind it, if you see what I'm saying. That's really a great um, description of that. I've never really thought about it like that because I know that the mind doesn't really hear negative, but of course it's the energetic frequency. So when you're when you're revolted at something, and you say, well, I would never become a drug addict or whatever it is that you're like having your fit about, you've got a lot of energy invested in that right then, in that moment. You've got a lot of negative, mm-hmm. like, I will not, I will not. But like you say, because you have the energy and it's in a negative way, that is that is the problem there. Whereas when you're making something up, which is why mantras like, you know, I am rich, I am rich, I am rich. <laughs> you know, they don't yeah, really have any yeah. energy behind them. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing there. It's just words and, and your brain already knows it's a lie. Um, yeah, unless mm-hmm. you really are, or believe you are at that moment. So, yeah, that's really good it, to remember this energetic frequency. And we're going to talk about this a little more as the hour goes by as well. The energetic frequency is that level four of the five um, personal power levels is that passion. And that's, that's what makes the vibrations that are changing things in the world. So if you imagine walking into a room and maybe, um, maybe you have a teenager in the room when you walk in and they're all, you know, it, they're just, feels wrong and you say what is anything wrong no nothing's wrong you know but you can tell something's wrong they're sending out a negative energy from them and that's what you're feeling and experiencing we do send Mm -hmm. off energy we do have this uh, vibration that we're sending off and not only the people around us can tell it but actually nature can tell it the way that god set up the world um the air around us changes and we set out we send out vibrations which i think is so cool and important for us to understand. Uh, so, what is the way? What is the way that we can be sure that our situation will get better? That's another one that's really very simple. Because, and I, I know this because I myself, one night I was so depressed. I prayed, Lord, if things are never going to get better, please take me home tonight while I'm asleep. You know, so I won't mm-hmm. wake up in the morning. So I woke up in the morning and I thought, well, things are going to get better then. <laughs> you know, That's so, awesome. so basically, if you're still here, things are going to get better. <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's great. But, you know, um, having said that, 
you know, there is a there actually is a choice to make sure that things get worse also. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. It, um, we... Go ahead. Oh go ahead. <laughs> I mean you we first. have a we have a we have a choice. We have a choice what we think that the Bible's really clear about this. It goes on and on and on about it. About what we think is very important. Take every thought captive. Um to focus on what is true and what is noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy to think about these things, you know, and, yeah. and we have a choice whether we're actually going to do that or not. That's a choice that we make. Yes, that's true. And, um, and we just, we have to trust the Lord because he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And he said that he knows we have needs of, you know, clothes to wear, a roof over the head, food to eat. He knows this, and he he will help us, you know. We just, I think a lot of times we just get hung up on the idea that, oh, you know, miracles don't happen in this day and age. But I think what people get hung up on are that they're expecting the, um, special effects type of miracles that the children of Israel got when they were leaving Egypt, you know, the parting of the Red Sea and that sort of thing. And God doesn't, doesn't do that a lot these days. He, you know, he does little miracles in little ways. Like you, you're, you're wondering how to pay some, some bill. And then all of a sudden you get a check in the mail and that's a miracle, you know, and people just don't seem to recognize the little miracles as being coming from God. And they do. Right, it's a, it's a perspective, and I think I think a lot of the reason that we don't see the big miracles here in the United States is because is because our faith is so small. We really limit God to little miracles as a group. And uh, I was in Africa, and I actually met a man who, uh, twenty years earlier, raised a man from the dead. I mean, God did it, but He used him. And uh, it was kind of interesting because the rest of that story after this this man had been used by God to raise this other guy from the dead. And it it was legit. There was documentation of it uh, there. And but then the man who had raised him from the dead actually became very proud and very conceited. He actually became an alcoholic. He actually had trouble for many years, and he had just recently come back into a close personal fellowship with Christ. There's pros and cons to everything, everything. And God can see these things in advance. We can't. So when we're watching for Him to work, I think, like you said, you know, we just have to get get used to just looking for him everywhere. I love to look for God everywhere to just say, where are you going to show up next? What, what are you going to do? You know, because it is, mm-hmm. it is so often such a surprise. I think one of the ways he shows up for me a lot is in orchestrating um, events or circumstances in life. And I have been trying, you know, I would be try, 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 try. And then when God would do it, it would be like, wow, no matter how hard I ever tried, I would have never been able to pull that off. You know, God can just do above and beyond what we ask or think. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. There's this great privilege we have to just walk with God and to allow him to use how he's created the world and how he's created us to accomplish his work in this world. We're going to take a short break and come around back and talk about the five top misunderstood concepts of living the Christian life. Don't go away. Leaders across America rely on women's events.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. 
womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. You're joining Marnie Swedberg today with my guest, Chris Carson, talking about the law of attraction from a Christian perspective. Chris, let's dive into the top five misunderstood concepts of living the Christian life, and what would be number one? Well, to me, number one is that you you either need to be poor or you, you can't aspire to be wealthy. That's that's a big one that people seem to feel like, oh, God doesn't want me to be wealthy. Well, Solomon was wealthy. And I'm not saying that wealth is for everyone because some people could not handle it. And God recognizes that. And he made Solomon wealthy because Solomon wasn't running around going, oh, I want to be rich, I want to be rich. He looked for wisdom first. And that's the key, that you have to have wisdom in order to have wealth, otherwise all kinds of horrible things could happen. You know, like you could get full of yourself, like we were talking about earlier. Um, You could think, oh, I don't need anything because I have all this money. Well, guess what? You're going to lose it. (laughs) Because when you take God out of your life, you know, he's he's not going to bless you. So I, and that really came to my mind about, being poor because it seems like a lot of people feel like, oh, I, I can't, I can't have this any money. I have to be poor, or the Lord won't bless me. But that's not necessarily true. Yeah, I think, I think from God's perspective, it isn't about the money at all. I mean, like you say, He had, you know, Job and Solomon. He had several rich people in, in his, uh, you know, in his family as illustrations of the Bible, Nicodemus and others. Um, but it also he also isn't past having us be poor if that would be the best if that would be the best for the purpose. I mean, Jesus simply wasn't rich when he was on earth. He really didn't have physical uh, wealth of any kind, but he was the richest man of all time. You know, God's just not defining this the way we do. And I think whenever money gets into the into the definition of wealth at all, it becomes skewed because it's not about money. It's about the relationship with God and what he's what he's actually got for us and to share through us. So, yeah, that's really yeah. cool. What's the second one? That you shouldn't enjoy your life. This goes back to the suffering mm-hmm. thing, that we're all all here. We suffer until the Lord returns. Well, not necessarily. I mean, yet some of us, the Lord is trying to teach us something, you know, and so that's why we go, that's why we go through some hard times sometimes. Sometimes it's just, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's just the result of sin in the world that causes us pain. But sometimes, you know, when when children are growing up, they have to be disciplined, and that's not a pleasant process, but they do learn things from that. And classes that you have to take in school, there are some that you don't like and some that you love, and it's the same with anything in life. And um, there's no reason why you have to sit around in sackcloth and ashes and cry all day, every day about your life. I mean, God did not intend that for us. So I think, yeah, once again, once again, I think that we kind of come to it from this perspective that 
um, suffering means that we can't enjoy life. Whereas I see like Paul sitting in prison, uh, writing the gospels from a perspective of extreme joy, even though he talks about the burden of the churches and things like that. He is experiencing joy in prison, writing the epistles, uh, Daniel, uh, Joseph, you know, what we, what we see in these men's lives is, is actual joy, even though they were in circumstances that none of us could imagine being in, you know, ripped away from our families and in, in enemy territory and then, you know, really feeling hopeless there, but yet God chose to use them and to bring them through it. So I, I agree with you that uh, just because there is suffering either in our lives due to correction or just due to the fallen world, uh, even though there is suffering, there also can be a lot of joy in that. I think Jesus, I mean, Jesus left heaven. He had the perfect circumstances, absolutely perfect circumstances, and he was in charge. And he left and he came and was a human. And he showed a lot of joy in his life, you know, play with the kids. And he would, you know, he would have these moments of joy showing through that, that he should have been. He should have been feeling sorry for himself the whole time. And I'm sure if I were him, I would have been. <laughs> Somehow he didn't. Somehow he found things to rejoice in, even though he was God in flesh, which I still can't understand. It I'm so grateful for. Okay, what's number three? That you should not stand up for yourself. Um, hmm. Here I'm thinking of. I I recently read. Um, it's a long convoluted story how I found out about it, but there was were these books written in the 1800s about this character named Elsie Dinsmore, and sure. she was she was a Christian and. Her her father asked her, you know, a question, did did you do this? And she'd say no. And then he asked her, who did it? And I can't tell you that. And then she'd get punished even though she didn't do it. And I thought, you know, I don't think God expects us to to just knuckle under like that and, and not stand up for ourselves. Because there were other children in this girl's life that they – they mercilessly picked on her and caused her to be in trouble for these things. And they wouldn't say anything to defend her. And I don't, I don't think that God expects us to just sit there and, and suffer when we didn't do anything wrong. So a lot of people do feel that way though. They feel like, Oh, well, I just won't say anything and the truth will come out eventually. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes you have to speak the truth yourself. Yeah, I think there's examples of both sides of that scenario in the Bible. Times when, you know, I mean, Stephen, for example, he just stood straight up and told the truth and he got stoned to death for it, but he did tell the truth and that was what he was supposed to do. Um, when mm-hmm. God was bringing the children of Israel out and the Philistine, or the um, Egyptians were chasing him, he said, stand still and watch and I will defend you. You know, so there's, again, there's there's both sides of this one. God uses both um you being willing to stand up and say what's true as well as you being willing to stand still and wait and see what God will do. So I, I agree with you, though, that just to say that we should never stand up for ourselves, that's, that's not biblical, that's not scriptural. Uh, but there are times yeah. there are times when God actually wants to fight for you. And, you know, I think, I think for me, that time, when, it makes, when it makes perfect sense, it's, it, maybe more I should say when it's super obvious, is when I know I can't. So let's say a tsunami is coming at me. I know I cannot stand up and fight that tsunami. I am. I don't have oh, any. Yeah. It's. I'm not big enough. It's going to overwhelm me. Um, so then I obviously give it to God. 
fun inside for me. But it's sometimes in those middle ground ones where uh, you're not sure whether God wants you to stand up and fight or let him fight. So you just, just be, be quiet and ask him what I need to do. Yes, it, that's that's it, the beauty exactly. of the Holy Spirit living out us. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so and that's what was lacking. Oh, I was just going to say that's what was lacking in these books is she never asked the Lord first. She just knuckled under, right. you know. So, so. Right, and she did all the stoicism or whatever, um, but it maybe yeah. wasn't necessary. That's That's your point is that, you yeah. know, you can do it thinking you're being very honorable, but at times that's not the right response. I really liked in the book Boundaries, I really liked the example of when, um, so setting a boundary, standing up for yourself kind of really, but he said the first boundary we have is our skin. So as a child, we know that, you know, people can't hurt our skin without us reacting. So if somebody came up to me as an adult and said, you know, I really want your hand. I really could use an extra hand. So can I just have you, let's cut your hand off of your body and I'm going to go take it with me. And I'd be like, no, you're not. Yeah, <laughs> I would stand yeah. up for myself, right? It'd be obviously we would all stand up for ourselves in that moment. But there are some other things that aren't that clear. That people are going to take advantage of something God has given you and given it to you as a responsibility and he expects you to take care of it. And sometimes we don't do that because we don't have that clear of a picture of what's okay to stand up for and what's not. I love that. That can be a big misconception. What's number four? Number four is you must not draw attention to your skills or talents. And this can be a slippery slope because there is the verse that says that pride goeth before a fall. But on the other hand, there are the servants who had the talents and they you know, one of them chose to bury the talent and the the others chose to increase them. And they also say, you know, that God, if you don't use your talents, God's going to take them away from you. And so, you know, that that's a slippery slope because none of us want to be the prideful person that's, that's going to, you know, displease God. But he did give you skills and talents and you should be using them for his glory. That's how I see it. And a lot, you know, working with womenspeakers.com, a lot of gals really struggle with this part of it, with getting their name out there when they feel like God's calling them to speak. But, boy, they really don't want to put together a one-sheet or they really don't want to um, actually promote themselves. That feels really bad. And there are times when you're not supposed to. I'm not saying that everybody should, but at the same time, usually, typically, people are supposed to. So if if we just change the change the scenario from instead of you being a speaker needing to promote yourself, let's say that you're going to provide water on the corner of your block during a blackout when people need water. They can't, they can't use their water, all of the, all of the water's down, but you have fresh water on the corner. How much are you going to hide that water? Or are you going to actually stick it out there because it's what people need? And that's, again, it goes kind of back to the passion and the vision behind what Mm -hmm. you're doing. If you really perceive that God has gifted you with this and that this is a message that needs to get out there, you'll have no trouble uh, promoting it because you actually believe that it's useful and helpful. As long as you're convinced that maybe it's not or maybe you're not supposed to be, then right, it's not going to happen. You're not going to do the self-promotion that needs to happen in the process. Interesting. Okay, what's number five? That you have to remember the exact date of your salvation or it never happened. And this, this I think, is is a, a well, 
it's happened to me in a, a church that I went to in my youth that that was kind of the concept that caused me to doubt my salvation because mm-hmm. I, I couldn't remember. I was four years old and I could not remember the actual time that I, you know, sat down and, and prayed the prayer. But so, you know, I, I prayed the prayer again when I was 13 and I, you know, only the Lord knows for sure which time I actually accepted him, but I'm trusting him. And I, I believe it was when I was four because I believed it at the time. I never had a single doubt in my mind that I was saved until that, that happened at the church that they put that doubt in my head. And, and I further believe this because what about people who, you know, when they get older, if they get Alzheimer's there and they don't remember, does that mean that they've lost their salvation? Right. I don't think right. so, you know. So right. Good point. That, Love it. An analogy I've heard, at, which makes a lot of sense to me, we lived on the Canadian border for um, 30 years uh, between the, uh, the United States and Canada. And what would happen is you'd go across this border crossing, and it was really, really clear where you went from the United States into Canada if you happened to go across on the main road. But let's say now that you went across by water, or you went across in the woods, um, you would maybe have a fair idea of where you were going across, but you would never really know exactly when you went across, especially on the water. You would, you would just kind of have a general kind of idea of when that happened, but you knew that you had gone from being in the United States to being in Canada at some point because now you were in Canada. <laughs> so I think it's kind of the same with our walk with Christ too. A lot of us, like I accepted Christ at age four, which is cool. We have that in common, but I actually do remember. I remember everything about it. I remember specifics about it. I remember where I was and what they were saying and what happened afterwards. I mean, I just remember real specifics, but that doesn't make my experience better than yours in any way. It just makes it different. I went across on a main highway. You went across through the woods or across the water. Uh, We're both, we're both safe in Jesus' arms because we have trusted Jesus Christ for our salvation, mm-hmm. and that's what really matters. Yes, I agree. I do remember um, being baptized, though. <laughs> that's so cool, and that's really great. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a real short break. We're going to come back and talk about that a little bit as well. It's the one thing you can't do without the true meaning of contentment, how to handle fear, and four unexpected ways to get closer to God. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. take a few moments right after the show and help me out i am curious who we're missing so for example do you know of any speaker who is missing from womenspeakers.com do you know of a guest expert who you'd love to hear me interview on marnie's friends or maybe you know of a major christian women's event group that is not yet represented over at womensevents.info Would you just take a moment after the show, swing over to Marnie.com and use the support link at the bottom of any page to recommend her to us. That would be awesome. I thank you for partnering with me in ministry, and God bless your day. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Chris Carson of sunshineauthor.wordpress.com. Chris, let's talk right now about the one thing that you can't do without. That would be gratitude. And sometimes it can be it can be really hard sometimes to be thankful if you're in a really painful situation. But 
you have all the other things in your life that you can be thankful for. And when you're out of the situation, whatever it may be, you can be thankful for that. I mean, there, as people like to point out, there's always somebody who's a little worse off than you are. And, you know, while that's not anything to be happy about as far as that, that poor person, but the point is that no matter how depressed you get, you still have blessings in your life that other people may not have. And, you know, the, the gratitude is what's going to raise your vibration and that's what's going to get you the things that you're trying to attract with the law of attraction. So being yeah, grateful to the Lord. Yeah. I think if, even if all else fails, one of the things that I've just come to grasp, if all else fails, if it just seems completely black and overwhelming and there's just nothing good going on right now at all, the one I always just go back to is it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. It is enough that you died for me. That's enough. If you never did one more good thing for me, it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And there's so much hope and confidence in that. Um, one of the things you just brought up right now, we haven't really touched on it too much during the program, is the raising the vibrations. So just from your perspective, and then I'll give my feedback here too, but from your perspective, what is the benefit of raising vibration? Well, if you don't raise your vibration, it, well, it's like we're on, we're on, we have three different planes of, of our reality. The, the bottommost plane is um, negativity. And whatever you, while you're in a negative state of mind, whatever you're thinking about or worrying about, that's going to come to you because you're, that's what you're attracting. When your vibration is low, you attract things that are on that low vibration. Like, um, oh, oh, I hope I don't have a car crash. Well, you know, you'll be lucky if you don't because you're, you're attracting that with your negative thoughts. If you're on, you know, just a normal day and you're not really thinking about anything, you're not really going to attract anything either because you're just in neutral, basically. Now, if you raise your vibration, and that's where you have your positive thoughts and your gratitude to, to the Lord, and you, you know, it's, for lack of a better word, it's optimism. If you're in an optimistic state of mind, that level vibrates in the same frequency as all the good things that you're wanting to attract. And that's why it's important to raise your vibration. So the one thing that I like to remind people when they're having a struggle with this, whether this is, you know, really true or of God or whatever, is I just remind them of how the scripture describes heaven, the place where God equals good, the place where good dwells. God is ultimate good. And so the place where he lives is 100% light. There is no darkness. There are no tears. There's no separation or goodbyes. Um, it is eternal. It goes on forever. There's no time constraints. Uh, there's no, uh, it is the perfect place. So when we say a raised vibration, what we're really doing is saying we're living heaven on earth. We're kind of uh, tapping into heaven while we're here on earth. And when we can't do it in our physical surroundings, we still have the opportunity, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, that we have the opportunity to be seated in the heavenlies with Christ so that spiritually we can be right there in heaven with Jesus all the time. I believe that that's where we have the option to be. But again, it takes a raised vibration, a raised awareness 
to be able to tap into that. It's not just, uh, you can't be uh, feeling like everything is hell, but yet sitting with God in, in truth. There's, there's this problem here. So kind of give me a feedback on what I've just said here. Yes, I, I agree. In, in fact, that's kind of, uh, I was thinking as you were talking that, yeah, negativity is closer to hell than to heaven. And positivity is closer to the Lord because, like you said, the one thing that we can be grateful for, if nothing else, is our salvation because that has saved us from an eternity in the most negative place in the universe, which is the lake yeah. of fire, you know. So, yeah. Right. Right. So something happened to me and a friend this morning that was very unpleasant. In fact, um, as soon as it was over, I cried. Um, and But what we did is we just went immediately to the throne of Christ. We just walked straight into the throne of Christ. We cried together with Jesus and with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. We just cried with him, shared with him what had happened, released it to him, and then went cheerfully on about our day. Literally. And that's the option that we have with Christ is we have this beautiful opportunity to, um, to process through the negativity and the low thinking and the, the, the squished down and negative thought processes and move on into a higher level of living. And it's not that those things don't happen. Of course they happen. But we don't have to live there. It doesn't mean that has to be my address. So what, what, what do you think is the true meaning of contentment? Well, that leads right into my, my definition of the true meaning, because contentment is defined in the dictionary as a state of being happy and satisfied, but I believe that while it can be those things, it could be better defined as being free from negativity, because, you know, Paul, being in prison, I'm sure he wasn't jumping for joy about it, but he did have the joy of his salvation, and so, you know, he was free from the negativity that being in prison can can cause because he, you know, his faith was in the Lord. So, yeah, that's well, why I, I think that verse where he talks yeah. about, I have learned to be content in all things. Okay. Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. It, it, is, it isn't that he just had always great, great circumstances. He's writing it from prison. So what he has learned is he has learned to recognize that God is God and he is not, and that God is helping him right now, wherever he is that God's provision for him is enough in this moment. It's enough. I love to say that over and over. I have enough. I have more than enough. I have enough. I have more than enough. Through Christ, I have enough. I am enough. I am more than enough. Um, You know, and that's where the contentment comes, not because everything's perfect, but because we recognize that we serve a perfect God and therefore we are okay. It is, it is going to be all right. Uh, It takes us right into our next one, handling fear and fear will come up. Fear is, yeah, it's one of the most used words in the Bible. Do not be afraid, you know? Um, So how, how do you go about handling fear? Well, the most important thing I think that we need to remember is that we have already trusted the Lord for the most important thing, where we're going to spend eternity. We're trusting him that it's going to be in heaven. So if we trust him with that most important thing ever, why can't we trust him for everyday things? You know, why, why is it so hard for us to trust him to help us through situations? That that's yeah. the thing that I think we need to remember. So I like the analogy of, um, uh, you know, Satan is always bringing fearful things to us, and he brings it to us with some kind of a deception usually, because it, there are things that are really 
we should be respectful of including God, uh, trains, uh, not being on a train track when the train is coming, you know, things like that. We have to be respectful of these things that are big and powerful like that. Uh, but most of the time, fear is not based on truth. Fear is most of the time based on a what-if scenario. We're scared because what if this or what if that or, you know, this might happen or that might happen like that. And that's the fear. But then if we remember that, we want to be in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is no darkness. Darkness cannot be in the presence of God. So always when we take that fear to God, what happens is it's like it's like us being in a dark room all by ourselves hearing big scary noises and stuff like that. And then God just flips the light switch on and it's like, oh, right. Yeah. 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 It's in the presence of God that our fears have to melt away. And of course, we can choose to step out of the conscious presence of God and be in the dark again. You know, God's still with us, but we've chosen to step out. It talks about this in the Old Testament about about covering over the door of our hearts with like fat. You know, it's like a, a picture of of blocking God's light out of our thoughts right now. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to look at it from your perspective. I want to just figure this out on my own. And that's called pride in the Bible. God loves a humble heart that says, no, I I desperately need you. I need you to talk me through this. I need you to show me from your perspective. I need you to turn on the light in this dark room and help me to see what's true. Well, we are coming up to the end of the hour, and I want to get through this last point. Chris here, too. You have four unexpected ways to get closer to God. Share those with us right now. Okay, well, the first thing to think about that all four of these ways fall under is thinking like a child, because the Lord said, you know, suffer the little children to come unto me, and and whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And we are his children. So ways to get closer to God can be through play. Get Get a book, coloring book and some crayons and just, you know, color and, and, and commune with the Lord that way. You can, laughter is a good one. Anything that people, that you find funny, there are classes where you can, can learn how to laugh. And I think those are a <laughs> right? little silly myself because it's like, it's just easier to turn on something on, on the TV that makes you laugh or, you know, but laughter is a good one. Creativity, if there's anything that you're creative with, woodworking, sewing, um, painting, anything, anything creative, I mean, that's that comes straight from the Lord because he is the mm-hmm. ultimate creator. And then right. dressing up in costume. You can, uh, mm-hmm. like, if there's a Renaissance festival, dress up in Renaissance garb and go out to it. Or um, community theater, you can um, try to be in a play and you know, acting, that kind of thing. It's just like children when when you do play acting, let's pretend. Things like that. I think all those things will bring you closer to the Lord. Of course, it depends on how you use them. You know, you don't want to be laughing at something disgusting. But, you know, but things that that are um that are uh, uplifting to to a Christian. Those are the things that that just like the verse said think on the on these things i love it laughter so i had a i had a thought that was continuing to bother me and i thought whenever that thought comes i want to have something that i can just do right in that moment and the first thing that came to my mind was laugh and so whenever that thought would come to my mind i would just start laughing and actually i'm just going to do it right now because you don't actually need to turn anything on (laughs) 
start laughing. And it's amazing how that just goes right down inside of you. And you can just, even when nothing is funny at all, you can just actually start laughing. And then it is, they say, you know, a couple minutes worth of laughter is worth like a lot of exercise. It's laughter is really good for us. It's good. And you don't even need help to begin laughing. Just try it. And I recommend that you try it like alone in your car or something, you know. Maybe not at the dinner table. Although I have to admit that if you did it at the dinner table, probably everybody around you would start laughing too because you'll look pretty funny. <laughs> well, and if they look at you funny while you're doing it, that'll make you laugh even harder. <laughs> and they might just start laughing too, and that would be the best outcome of all. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, this has been a wonderful hour. Wow, I have loved this content. If you guys joined us toward the end, you're, definitely go back and listen to the beginning of this. I'm just flipping back here a little bit in my own notes. I loved your four proofs of God Um I loved that koalas and dolphins are in there. That just makes me smile no end. And I just think it's so cool that God has made this world in such an amazing way that we can actually study his creation, how he's doing the world in order to understand how better to communicate him with him ourselves. So that's just awesome. Chris, before we go, I want to give you an opportunity. You guys want to go visit her website over at sunshineauthor.wordpress.com. Chris, if people go over there, what are they going to find? Well, they will find um, what I I do as far as with authors. I I work with authors who need editing services and their own website. And also there is a page with my books listed and where they can purchase them. I do have my book, Chosen, Living Your Purpose in Life, which is all about the law of attraction from a a Christian perspective. And um, I also have a few little fun things on there for people. So. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm so grateful that you could be with us here today and uh, just have loved this conversation so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Marnie. And thank you guys for being here. It's just always such a joy to be with you every Wednesday afternoon live at Blog Talk Radio as well as around the net and in the archives afterwards. For those of you who host us at Syndicate Stations, thank you. And for those of you who host us on your own website, Thank you very much. If you want to do that, just go to Blog Talk Radio forward slash Marnie's Friends. And there's a little place there you can actually click to download a player box to put right on your website so that your guests can get the last four episodes right in that moment anytime they visit your site. And we just appreciate that so much. It's always fun to share these times with you and to get to know you better as we move forward. My website is Marnie.com. And I hope that you will go ahead and visit over there and also womenspeakers.com, who is the sponsor of this show. I wanted to just mention right before we leave today that um, I think that the number one way that people get confused about how to uh, live the Christian life is that they think that we're supposed to actually somehow be performing for God, that this is like God watching and us performing and him giving a judgment or a grade, and that's just so not true. The reality is that Jesus did all the performing there would ever need to be. He was the perfect God-man, and he died on the cross for our sins, and that's our opportunity now to let him live his life through us. And so anything that he expects me to do, first he flows it to me, then he flows it through me. And that's exactly what he has extended to all of us, is that he wants to live through us as a flow-through vessel and that he gives it to us before he expects it to flow through us. So I hope you have a wonderful time, and we'll see you next time on Marnie's Friends. Bye-bye.